Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's not my fault you're like in love with me. It's VGC, the video game podcast with me, Jordan Midler, Andy Robinson and Jake Tucker. This week, we know the four Xbox games jumping ship, we know about Nintendo's 2024 lineup, and we finally know more about Shadow of the Air Tree. But first, how are we doing, folks? Jake, welcome. You finally battered your way onto this podcast after me ducking and diving. How are you? Yeah, doing good. Thanks for having me. Of course. It's, it's, it's long, long, long overdue. Uh, Andy, how are you? I'm all right. Yeah, a bit coldy. Um, I spent the weekend in Butlin, surrounded by children so inevitably i've picked up the the lurgy what is um, the... so if i sound a little bit chesty on this podcast please forgive me oh it's all good brother what is the what is the done thing in buttons these days um silent discos mm. um you know chumba wumba <laughs> uh that sort of thing like no I arcade games not get oh, arcade, arcades are utterly depressing now in the uk seaside towns right they are utterly depressing it's like if you want to go and see a large version of flappy bird so um that costs a quid a go which you win tickets that encourages children to gamble and yeah. go and change them up for a pack of crayons then you need to head to a seaside arcade there's actually there's a decent um, arcade in Glasgow in the City Nick Centre now. Um, so if they want to sponsor this podcast, they're welcome to. That has like tons of good games and the big versions of mobile games and all that shit. But the the prizes are legit. The prizes are all like special edition switches. It was like the Animal Crossing Switch, the Pokemon Scarlet and Violet Switch. And sure, you would potentially have to spend a hundred grand on the games to actually like get them any tickets. Two, four but, years, right? I mean, you never know. That's uh. It's all possible, or because it's because it's in the Sydney like Centre in Glasgow, someone's just going to break that glass and um, take it. But we have a lot of news this week. First point of order: there is another podcast coming out today. Our Final Fantasy VII Rebirth review cast will be out now on YouTube and later on podcast services around the globe. I uh, wrangled together Jade from the Gamer, Ed from Eurogamer and Alex Donaldson, Mr. RPG himself from VG247 to talk all things Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. You can also check out our review, which will be on the site as you are. Is the podcast as long as the game? <laughs> no, the podcast is, based on how long it took me to complete it, the podcast is one eightieth of the game, and it's a long-ass podcast. So, so it's just a day-long podcast then? Yeah. Um, it's, a lot of, uh, it's a lot of anime boys looking at each other in the eyes and going, uh-uh. Um, but that's what the people want story number one xbox announces multi-platform releases for hold your surprise pentiment hi-fi rush sea of thieves and grounded following weeks of speculation and chris ring just telling you what the games were going to be uh, the, the company finally addressed the games that are coming to playstation and switch the four are pentiment hi-fi rush 
which will come to Pentiment and Hi-Fi Rush will come to PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, and Nintendo Switch. Uh, Nintendo Switch actually won't get Hi-Fi Rush, despite there being a um, little graphic that uh, seemed to suggest that it will get it at some point or switch to it. This whole thing's been a mess. It leaked out on uh, Bethesda's like Portuguese site, and then they're like, oh yeah, it's, it's out. Um, Grounded is coming to PS4, PS5, and Switch, and Sea of Thieves is coming to PS5 today, February 22nd. Uh, Andy, our long national nightmare it's is just over. Been a, it's just been, it has been a complete mess, hasn't it? Like, the messaging's just been all over the shop. Like, their emergency podcast in which they pretty much said nothing, yeah. then contradicted <laughs> themselves in press interviews they did alongside it. You know, Starfield is not coming to PS5. Well. And they speak to the press. We would not rule out any game coming yeah. to another platform. You know, and anyone with a, any sort of sense, uh, you, you know, will be well aware that you don't bring out four games on other platforms without, you know, leaving the door open to do more. It's not a one-off. I mean, if they do well, then they'll bring more. It's yeah. um, This has been dragged on. It feels so unnecessarily, right? And I imagine, it's there. It, of course, there's very clearly behind-the-scenes reasons for that. Um, they clearly had arrangements with Nintendo and Sony to announce these games um according to to you know kind of various journalists the nintendo directs was pushed back a week um you know possibly because of the the xbox business update which ended up with this really awkward scenario where they're like we're bringing four games to some platforms and we won't tell you what they are and every journalist knows what they are <laughs> yep you know <laughs> and then they were said we had a specific announcement plan which ended up being um uh high pentiment got buried in a we're buried in a here's some <laughs> other games segment of the nintendo part and direct yeah uh we got grounded as an actual trailer um it's hi-fi rush leaked was just a Bethesda's portuguese language yeah. <laughs> what and the then hell? sea of thieves just chuck it on the xbox wire just Jake, one normal day mess. of xbox please yeah Jake, one normal day of xbox uh, how has that gone for please? you it's been a bit of a mess, hasn't it? Oh, it was wild. I mean, I expect Phil Spencer this morning is like, oh, all according to plan, as he tightens his jacket. <laughs> but I feel like the weirdest thing about it is that they announced it so badly that Xbox, like, diehard fans suddenly managed to convince themselves with quite some momentum that Xbox was just pulling out of games entirely. Yeah. Like, it, like how, do you, how do you get an announcement so badly that all of your fans think you're leaving video games? Like, it, that's, it's astounding to me. But I it's, think... It seems oh. that the 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 reaction was so extreme the first time that when people saw what it actually was, you can't walk back on that because that's like doubly embarrassing. So they had to find this middle ground of like, oh no, actually this is them done. They're not telling you, but they're pulling out. Yeah, and it's such a relaxed thing. I think I actually think this is a really good idea. I think it's the smartest thing they could have done because if if they were in an actual console war, they'd be losing it, right? They're not. Like there's, there's no console war. Um, at the moment, kind of the PS5 is selling a lot more than Xbox. It's a big audience. And Xbox has said for ages that all they want is this big kind of play anywhere ethos. So everyone was really supportive when, you know, Phil Spencer is out on stage saying, hey, we want you to be able to play our games anywhere. And then when they say, hey, actually, you can play these anywhere, people are getting annoyed about it. So I find it quite amusing, to be honest. Yeah, it's... Um... I mean, and you're I... right, you're right. It does. It makes complete sense. It's the right decision. I'm surprised that Sea of Thieves hasn't crossed earlier. Um, this, for me screams of uh, an experiment really it's yeah. a, they're testing the water very much cfes should have happened a long time ago i think it's a you know community driven live service game it makes complete sense that they open up the audience to more players on that um but the others are like 
you know, grounded. Okay, maybe you could say the same thing, but it's not on the same scale. Pentiment and Hi-Fi Rush, that that is a test, really. It's sort of like these very well-received original IPs that you could argue that you open them up to other audiences. You know, maybe if they do more in the future, it's, they might, oh, wow, you know, Pen- Hi-Fi Rush 2. Oh, I loved the first one. You know, maybe I'll pick up a, an Xbox without something or I'll, I'll get a Game Pass subscription. I'll get a PC Game Pass subscription. But, you know, this will come on to the PlayStation stuff uh, if we talk about it later as well, is that the console platform holders are in the same situation right now, is that they're not making enough money. They're spending games, they're spending too much money making these games and they're not making enough money back. Um, So they need to reach more people or they need to make cheaper games or both. Um, you know, games now, we've, we've been talking about this for years, uh, in, in the games industry has been talking about it for years about the, the creeping budgets, right? Like it was the, 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 I think the, the, the old, uh, kind of like cliche was that the budgets double each generation for these triple A console games, you know, your uncharted and what have you, your halos. Um, so what was a hundred million game last generation is now like 200, $300 million to make a Spider-Man or a Horizon uh, Forbidden West. And you look at the money they're making, especially like Sony's earnings recently, it's unsustainable, yeah. you know, for, for, to keep these games on their, locked onto their, their audience of, you know, what are at 50-ish million at the moment. Um, and console, the console kind of audience has not grown for 20, 25 to 30 years, you know? It just hasn't. It's always been about 200 mil you know, and it's never got any bigger than that because, you know, I guess older people kind of grow out of it and young, not enough younger people are coming in. So it's absolutely the right decision. They need to release more games on PC. Um, They need to release more games on other platforms. And that's always been what Xbox has said, but not their actions haven't necessarily always matched their rhetoric, right? I mean, they have kind of let this it seem like we're in this console war when they you know they'll be saying you know oh yeah games are anywhere anyway starfield's exclusive and this is exclusive and you know blah blah so it's, it's never quite matched up but certainly this isn't just a microsoft thing sony will be doing this as well absolutely i think that the only real mistake that xbox has made is they've spent the last couple of years cozying up to influencers and fans who make owning an xbox their entire identity right because now now that that's kind of feels a bit threatened People are now angry that other people are going to get to play the games that they played and enjoyed, which doesn't really make any sense if you stop and think about it for a second, that it's just because this console war argument has been going on what, as long as we've both been in the industry. Like, it's it's a kind of constant thing. Yeah. The I mean, they, they that, kind that of, I think they were kind of forced into that situation, right? Yeah. I mean, this goes back to, um, you know, post-Xbox post One launch, when they'd managed to piss off and isolate absolutely all of their fans and they were forced onto the back foot into damage control mode and to hold the fan fests and to give the fans what they want to try and bring them back on side. But what the fans want to hear and what makes Xbox Microsoft money are not necessarily the same thing. And, you know, that's this is a, probably a good lesson for a lot of consumers to not always believe what, you know, kind of big corporation is telling you. They're not going to take that lesson. Come on now. They're, mm-hmm. they're making new uh, banners showing what Xbox games are coming out in 2024 free of charge um, as we speak. But let's not bully them any further. Uh, second story, 
Elden Ring's first expansion trailer has confirmed a June release date. The Shadow of the Air Tree will be released on PS5, PS4, Xbox One, Xbox Series, and PC on the 21st of June. It will cost $34.99. I thought that trailer was excellent. Amazing. Are you an Elden Ring man? What did you feel about this trailer? Are you ready to be hurt again? Yeah, so I'm I'm terrible at Souls-like games, particularly the FromSoft ones. Um, but I Elden Ring is the one I stuck with, and I got through to the end, and I played it for hours and hours and hours and hours, um, and it it beat the crap out of me. Basically, I'm super excited about this, especially because June is wide open. I mean, Destiny 2's final expansion is coming out in June, but other than that, there's nothing really. So I think everyone is going to go Elden Ring mad again. Like I think it's all you will see. Yeah, um, especially like they have just such a way of. The trailer do- isn't like super cinematic heavy. It's clearly just a free cam, like following people doing the fights. But that's like more than enough. Um, Andy, you you mentioned in the Slack that you thought this looked fucking brilliant. Um, hey, it looks amazing. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm most excited that it's thirty five quid. Yeah, because that hopefully suggests that it's really meaty. Yeah, because you know they they beat what they announced it. Did they announce it? Did they announced it a year ago. I think so. Yeah. And what Elden Ring came out two years ago. Yes. So I was hoping that this would be something like substantial. I think it will be. Suggests it is, and yeah, I'm 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 the same as Jake. Like, um, I've always like dabbled into soul from software games. I've never, I never, they never fully kind of uh, captured me. Um, I've played all of them to some extent, like probably like a couple of hours. Right, Demon Souls got me the remake. Oh yeah, finished it all the way through. That's absolutely one of the best fell in games. love with it fell in love with it yes i mean yeah, it's, it's so like the visuals um go a long way right yeah because it's like a little reward that's um, like the you know, every time you go to another area and then you... elden ring like it kind of carried it through it's just it's it's just an incredible piece of art they've said a, a little bit about it here elden ring shadow of the air tree takes players beyond the lands between to explore the land of shadow a completely new world from elden ring Players can seamlessly travel back and forth between its vast maps, interspersed with diverse situations, meticulous dungeons where menacing enemies roam. Um, it's a whole new map. If if it yeah. by going by their previous DLC, this is going to be absolutely massive. And Elden Ring was already a ridiculously massive game, so um, I have I have high hopes. Uh, Jake, what do you think they do after this? I think they go straight Elden Ring too, considering that has been like such a breakout success. Yeah, I mean, I would usually say they would go and make something else. You know, usually they've kind of alternated, but I kind of feel a bit like Elden Ring Two was so big they should just they should just follow up. I, I I'm expecting to see this structurally to be quite similar. You know, I think this will be kind of the half step, which is good for me because I think the best thing about Elden Ring was that you, if a boss was beating you or you didn't like where you were, you could just turn one eighty and just walk into you thought found something else to batter, right? and you could just cheese it with the spirits, which won me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, my, my spirit was Will Nelson, who works at PCGN, who I just got to call up with me every time I couldn't beat a boss. I was like, this dragon's really annoying me. Can you come and help me? And he would, you know, turn his, turn his PlayStation on and come and begrudgingly beat the boss for me. Um, but yeah, I think Elden Ring 2 is probably next, but I think it'll be a long time before we see it. I mean, this is this is kind of, I, I would say, like one fairly big size map. They've been working on it two years. I think it could be another three years before we see another big release from them. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we got another Sekiro. Oh, yeah. Um, that did that did like it's, it's under the radar, but that did really well. Does Activision um, retain publishing for, rights to that, or do they own? I don't know, but I do know it did very well, and Activision were very happy with it. I mean, obviously mm. the situation changed now, 
they've they've yeah. been sold to Microsoft potentially. Um, but that that game did very very well, um, yeah. and also it's healthy within a studio like From to have another game like that because you can bring in younger directors and uh, you know kind of train them up. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happened. Um, but I think the thing that you're seeing behind the scenes is that they from software kind of um acquired the trademark or the rights for i don't know if they've got the publishing rights i think it was a trademark for Elden ring from uh, ben on mm. and they've had a lot of investment in recent years i think from tencent from sony um so uh, and they have been talking about moving into position of self-publishing so i don't know what's going to happen there but that would be interesting because they've been partnered with bandai namco for years yep. you know I, I worked at bandai namco for about two months 10 years ago and I worked on Dark Souls 2 Remastered, uh, the PS4 one. And, uh, it, you know, super clear, they got a very, very close relationship. I mean, Bandai Namco's worked on, like, all of their games, right, going back decades. I think um, the only one they didn't work on was Bloodborne because of the Sony connection. But Yeah, Bloodborne and obviously Sekiro, Sekiro but you, yeah. you're going back, like, Armored Core and stuff like that. Um, you know, they've been together for decades and decades, so I would be surprised if that ended um because they they get the treat they get the the top tier treatment yeah from bandai namco right they are bandai like namco's them, number one stuff you know um, but bandai's still like a part of it for um this dlc but what you're likely not going to see next and people will not be happy is the bloodborne mythical remake um hidetaka miyazaki was doing some rounds and uh, Eurogamer asked them about a bloodborne remake quote it's a title we hold very dear, just as much as our fans. It does make me very happy to see that there are still so many people passionate about it. Put it sim- uh, put simply, it makes me very happy to see it's a title with a lot of specific memories, both for me and the staff who worked on it. Uh, Andy, this uh, is the is the lowest selling Souls game, but it seems to be the most beloved one by the hardcores. What do you think the reason is they haven't even done a slightly gussied version for ps5 that wouldn't require a full remakes worth of work that's a really good question i wish i i i had done some research before you asked it because <laughs> i've definitely had people talk to me in the past about what's going on with that i mean i don't know if jake has as well but yeah, there's yeah, definitely yeah. been whispers for a while that there's been something going on i think the only bit that's kind of like safe to talk about and isn't just people chatting over pints, right? As happened with so much of this stuff, is that it's kind of complicated because Sony and From both kind of put equal chunks into it and both feel like they should do well out of whatever comes out of it. So anytime that Sony makes a move towards PC, people are like, oh, Bloodborne could finally come to PC. But I think ultimately it's just kind of complicated. And from software's stock, like with kind of fans, it's so big now it feels a little bit silly for them to kind of do anything they're not going to retain full ownership of. Which yeah, I, guess is what I mean, that's, that's probably as well, right? Yeah. And also, I mean, that's the, it always comes down to, to stuff like that is business stuff, right? I mean, I, I, I don't, I've not heard that, but I imagine it's absolutely correct. Yeah. Um, there's also, I bet if Sony was still in the hearts and minds era, like the PlayStation 4 era, they would take the hat on this just to have it as an like as an oh yeah if they weren't if they weren't in full uh hubris mode right they might actually do something that fans want there's also the there's like some there are some issues with the way that game is designed like the the, it runs at 30 for like specific in-game reasons but when you have people like lance mcdonald that are like breaking the game and getting it run running on a jailbroken ps5 at 60 frames a second like 
it doesn't seem like the work required as the actual. No, I scenes. imagine that's trivial. It's yeah. it's hundred percent what Jake just said. It's just the know. money thing. Well, how much money are we going to get? You know, yeah. It's from software that uh, made that game as you know PS4. What was it? Uh, the early years of PS4, twenty fifteen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not it's not the same from software of today. Watching no. that, uh, watching that trailer though, I'm fairly certain this is this is what we get, right? I don't, I, I think we can finally stop. We won't, but I think you can finally stop asking about the Bloodborne remake anytime Sony announces anything. I yeah. think this, this kind of land of shadow and like all the stuff you see in that trailer, this is it. You know, this is your kind of Bloodborne follow up. Well, I mean, just the the little uh, sprinkles we've said on this podcast will reignite a thousand arguments, but. Um... There, there was always that pers- persistent rumor about Bluepoint doing it, and it's like, no, that's that's not what they're doing. Like, it's, it's Bloodborne. It's a wonderful, wonderful game, and I wish um, they would. Like, I don't care about a remake. There's no real need to remake that game, but just put it out. Even put a patch out for the PS4 version that lets it run like a, a, a limitless frame li- rate, and that would be fine. Like, I don't care that all the faces still look melted. Um, what a game. It's been a busy old week. We had a Nintendo Partner Direct that Nintendo just kind of plopped out. They didn't even bother streaming it. They just put it up as one big video. So everyone was racing to try and get the news out of it. Um, I've collated a bit of a highlight reel um, coming to Nintendo Switch Online, RC Pro-Am, Snake Rattle and Roll, Killer Instinct, Battletoads and Battle Maniacs, and Blast Core, Andy. The pop in the Robinson household must have been huge for these. Do you know how how many years I called Blast Corp Blast Corpse? Probably <laughs> That's like a cooler sounding years. And even more embarrassing, um, I was corrected when I started working with guys who worked on it who corrected <laughs> me. <laughs> this is showed me all of their concept art for the sequel that wasn't uh, greenlit. Mm, you should just tweet that. That'll go well. Um, yeah, maybe twenty years ago, that was a that would be a banger headline <laughs> in like two thousand and six. Um, obviously, this is more rare stuff being added to NSO, but they're missing big rare stuff. I saw it posited that the reason the Donkey Kong Rare games aren't getting posted to NSO is because Nintendo is working on a Donkey Kong game and they want to control that. And it obviously, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I'd say you're trying to put, cons- you know. We don't need a. I'm just asking questions. We don't. We don't need a. We don't. Questions. We don't need a vast conspiracy to explain why Nintendo don't bother putting uh, <laughs> NSO games out. They're quite capable of uh, being really crap at rolling out NSO games on their own without a reason to do so. Um, but yeah, they they, they they are definitely working on a Donkey Kong game. Hundred um, percent. I've said this before. I mean, I don't. Uh, this is just me, you know, adding up the dots rather than than actually knowing anything. But. They don't do things by accident. You don't start pushing the IP for no reason. There's like Donkey Kong Lego. He's like prominently in the Mario movie. There's a Donkey Kong theme park opening in a matter of months. They've just remastered the most niche GBA Donkey Kong game, you know, to get it out the door. They're touring Japan right now with a giant inflatable Donkey Kong, you know, to advertise the theme park world opening. Yeah, they're definitely... What could it mean, man? Yeah. (laughs) Star Fox. (laughs) Also... uh more in that this has been the longest week in video game history we've not done a podcast since the switch 2 got booted into 2025 i couldn't I, I, that just occurred to me there um have you not put it in this podcast are we not talking about that i, I genuinely thought <laughs> just that the biggest so story of like the last 
Yeah, let's start again. I'm going right. for the Switch. Uh, story number yeah. three. Uh, the Nintendo <laughs> Switch will uh, now release in 2025, sources say. According to uh, one Andy Robinson, uh, he's, he's heard on the grapevine via uh, the leakers that are at Butlins that Nintendo's plans have shifted. I filed this story from Butlins. And multiple uh, uh, developers working on Switch 2 games were informed that the console will now release in 2025. We go now to our Butlins correspondent, Andy Robinson. Um, yes. So, uh, I mean, uh, as we all know, right? So I was, I was looking into this story last week and there were a bunch of other journalists I know were also looking into this story um because they, this is what happens right i mean i always see like when one of these stories comes out and then a bunch of outlets all jump on it i always see people like on forums and discord and stuff like going oh how comes i hate it when they all say that you know they all corroborate each other and blah blah it's because we're all working on the story we're all chasing the same sources what's happened is nintendo has briefed um uh, publishers that they're now targeting q1 2025 for their next console um and they obviously know it's going to leak eventually because you tell that many people, someone's going to tell someone it's going to trickle down and blah, blah, blah. So um, in terms of how the story broke, um, there was a Brazilian journalist. I'm, I haven't got his name in front of me, so I'm not going to attempt it, but he's uh, congratulations to him on a, on a good scoop. He, he put it in a Brazilian podcast and I was literally working on the story, um, annoyingly. Um, but thankfully I was able to corroborate it first out of the, the major Westland outlets. Uh, then Eurogamer and Bloomberg followed. Um, and we knocked 8% off their share price. So happy days. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, so it basically, I don't know why it slipped. It's It was planned for late 2024, um, you know, as of late last year, up to at least late last year. I think they made the decision to move it possibly even as far back as December, January time. Um, and this this information's just starting to trickle about into you know media circles. I don't know why they don't because it really it you know there's a lot of incentive for them to launch um, their, their new console this year because it's it's a slow year for the other platform holders. Um, you know, obviously Nintendo Switch is the the original is not getting any younger. Um, one person suggested to me that it might be as simple as they don't think their first party software is ready but i don't i don't imagine that's something that they've told partners so there's probably speculation mm. but they will want to launch with as much as possible and it kind of makes more sense because i remember when so we broke the late 2024 date last year and even um kind of industry like pundits and sources i was talking to at the time were just pointing out how weird that was that nintendo would launch a console late in the year now because the Switch was so successful that first year. Their whole strategy on Switch, which launched in March 2017, um, coming off the back of the Wii U, which was a failure, was, right, what we're going to do is we're going to launch early in the year and we're going to launch a first-party game every month until that first Christmas. Then by the time we get to that first Christmas, we're going to have this amazing lineup of games and we're going to make sure all of our major franchises are there in the first year. I mean, go back and have a look at Switch's first year. It's insane. You know, they launched with uh, Zelda, one of the best games ever. They had Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Um, they had a Xenoblade in there. Arms. Mario Rabbits. Arms. Of course, Arms. Arms. Yeah. I'm sure Pokemon was the following year. Smash was the following year. Um, there's a Kirby game in there somewhere. Um, I'm, oh, there's Splatoon 2. Like, they, were, they just went all in, and it worked. 
So the assumption was always, well, of course, they're just going to do that again, which it now looks like they are going to. Maybe, hey, maybe they decided, maybe they realized that. Maybe they got, you know, strategically, they decided to do that. But, you know, there was every incentive for them to come out this year, but there's no point in doing it if they don't have, they don't think they have the software to um, kind of, you know, pump out a game every month, you know, but at the same time, they, they kind of want to stay away from GTA 6 mm. unless they've got it. Um, because if there is a system seller, that is a system seller, seller for um, PlayStation and Xbox. Um, so it's it's disappointing, right? I think God, it's already, a, it feels like 2023 part two. It's already depressing. Like still people getting uh, laid off. There's more layoffs coming from what I hear. You know, we've had a couple of good games, but it's just, a, it feels like a grim landscape and Switch 2 was something that felt like it could pick up the industry, especially with, uh, and something like that helps the whole industry, by the way. You know, we're, we're talking about Xbox and PlayStation and their you know financial numbers and how they're a little bit grim. And you need, a, that helps when you have, especially a Nintendo console that is a bit more innovative to bring in new players, you know, new players into the console space. Um, you know, I think we quite desperately need that right now. So hopefully it's, um, hopefully it's a strong launch. Hopefully it's a, it's an interesting console and not just, you know, switch Mark two, which I imagine it isn't. Mm. They're confirming today that arms to colon legs is not ready for the switch Two launch and therefore has been punted into 2025. Elbows. Yeah. Knees and toes DLC. Um, Jake, give me a prediction of a date and a price for the Switch 2. And if you are correct, <laughs> if you are correct to the day, I will buy you your Switch 2. Usually I'm always good. You used to ask me for Metacritic predictions. And yeah, I get you're them very right. good at but Metacritic one, predictions. This one's very scary. I reckon it'll be about 400 quid and I think it will launch early in March. If you want a specific day, I'll go for the 11th of March, but there's no science behind that. I'm just putting the speculation out there. Remember VGC Maniacs, if it does launch on the 11th of March, please do not remind me or deepfake this video so that Jake said like the 12th of March or something like that. Um, well, I think March makes sense because you don't want to launch when no one's got any money after Christmas and you don't want to launch just before Christmas because um, because then you can't buy any, right? Like I know yeah, they'll, they'll be pressured to include so. it in the fiscal year as well, right? I mean, they're... Yeah. Their fiscal year runs until the end of March, so I think it's almost certain that it will come out in March now. Yeah. Um, Switch was March 15th or something like that. That, that date's something familiar like that. For, for, for me. It came out during GDC, I remember, yeah. because I was showing um, ukulele at GDC when I was uh, still a game developer, and everyone was just trying to find a bloody like electronic store in San Francisco <laughs> during the Game Developers Conference that would sell them a switch without a pre-order which yeah. of course didn't happen had to pay, had how to annoying by the way can, i cannot tell you how annoying it is during the launch of the, the first major hybrid handheld home console that you have to do two uh long-haul international flights uh without it so you have to fly <laughs> home to collect yours <laughs> my most annoying thing about the switch launch is that i had to review horizon zero dawn when my switch arrived and like once you've like Horizon was a pretty decent game yeah. as far as I was concerned, and I played Zelda for two hours and was like, I actually don't want to ever go back to Horizon. Ever <laughs> <Yeah. again." laughs> um, my uh, Switch pre-order story is that this was still when um, Game Center and Paisley existed. God rest it. the 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 morning of the Switch launch, it was about five minutes after it opened, and I saw everyone get theirs on Twitter, and then I just decided to phone them, and I was like, Do you have any of them? 
and he's like we've got one red and blue one do you want to just come and get it i was like yeah fuck you fine i'll be down in five minutes and that was it like <laughs> I, the fomo was so overwhelming just from seeing people get theirs um, you're bringing back memories now i wasn't quite as excited as i should be for that launch because i'd spent about three months up to that point having uh awkward meetings with unity and nintendo of japan trying to get our game to run on the bloody thing <laughs> <laughs> um it's like all these lovely unreal, unreal engine games like yeah. launching on it which look spectacular like snake pass why Just, game Stop. why does our game not run more than 10 frames <laughs> on unity make it work years later i'm going off on a tangent here years later i was in japan at a um they do a game there's a games industry meetup out there called otoru that's the uh, toku one i think there's a different one for uh tokyo so it's like a just a weekly social where anyone in the games can meet up and they rent a bar and they all meet up and stuff. It's quite a good little, um, well, yes, mixer. Um, I randomly met some guys from Unity Japan there. Oh, hello, yeah, how are you? And it's like, um, uh, where are you from? Or oh, Platonic? Oh, yeah, we we were the ones working on your game. So all of those shouty meetings, <laughs> get it to work. Like those are the guys at the end of the the chain getting oh. told off to make it work on Switch. Those poor guys. They deserve better. Speaking of people that deserve better, we will see you after this break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we are back. The only other thing from the Nintendo Direct that I simply must highlight is that um, we are getting the Star Wars Battlefront games back on modern yeah, that's platforms. Awesome, right? I'm amazed that they've done that. That is yeah. so cool. Not only that, they've put new content in it. Kit fucking Festo is in this game now. That is the that should be the headline. That's a made of up everyone, character. Everyone Sorry, who's about everyone who's about 25 is like losing it. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but yes, the 64 player online multiplayer. Um all they they've gotten uh all the original maps and now old modes that didn't work on certain maps have been like changed so that they can work on new maps. It seems like actual work has been done into this, and this is the biggest. This is the story that is most translated into the the Facebook feeds. Um, I'm loving the Disney era where they're just like, yeah, go on in. Yeah, Disney did good guys that? of yeah. this like of this era. Like every single time I speak to Disney about games, that there's a guy Bill Rosemar over there, and yeah. he seems to pop up on all of these yeah. interviews that I do around games, and everything he does, and he goes, eh. I kind of love the characters and as long as I'm talking to people who love the games and that's like, that's been Marvel. And so I think Disney just as a whole has adopted this. Let's just give people what they want. Well, now, now that no Bob Iger in the last week has realized what video games are though, yeah. that might be over. Big, big business. Um, Bob Iger is going to instantly, he's going to cancel the Jedi series. He's going to fire Cameron Monaghan. He's going to uh, bring back Disney Infinity, get those figures out of uh, B&M. Um, but yeah, that was... Chris Scullion's loft. <laughs> you can try. I wouldn't. Don't touch any of Chris Scullion's toys. It will break your hand. Um, Chris Scullion will return. His, his house currently has several holes in it, so that's why he's not been a uh, part of this podcast. Apart from when that Xbox thing happened, and he had to come on and defend Microsoft's honor because he is Phil's biggest fan. 
Uh, there's some breaking so, breaking news. There's some breaking news on, on, on Twitter that we can talk about for 30 seconds because that's how interesting it is. Um, Sony is adding uh, PC support for PSVR 2 this oh, year. So, uh, so the, four people, the four people who have uh, purchased one. Oh, well, I haven't purchased one. I have one. one. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be some serious stains on that PSVR 2. Story number five. Speaking of stains. Uh, Randy Pitchford has teased a new Borderlands game. Um, he says, look, we haven't even announced anything of it. Clearly we're working on something. This is following some uh, tweets suggesting that we might get Borderlands 4. Jake, did you watch the trailer for 2024 Oscar Best Picture Borderlands movie? I did. And despite not really liking Borderlands anymore and really hating the whole Tiny Tina thing the games did, I thought the trailer looked pretty funny, actually. Oh, Jake. I know, I know. And I like good movies, I promise. It's just, you show me Kevin Hart screaming wildly while something happens just off screen that I'm into it, man. He is a funny guy. Like, I will watch him laugh. I don't actually think the things he says are very funny, but I think him laughing is really funny. Um, so He reacts in a funny way. Yeah. That's his whole acting tool set, is he reacts to things around him in a way that I find funny. Look, I used to love Borderlands. I thought Borderlands 1 and 2 were absolutely incredible games. 3 is fine, but it didn't, it didn't hit the way it used to. Um, but yeah, that, um, that, that, that trailer was a bit odd. Borderlands 3 seemed to do pretty well. So, Jake, do you think a, a 4 would do well? Do you think that's what they're doing? Because, like, I mean, what else do Gearbox have? Um, yeah, I mean, it, ultimately, if you're releasing a Borderlands movie, you know, there's a big budget Borderlands movie, you know, Kate Blanchett's in it. Like, Obviously, you try and release a game to take advantage of that if you can. Yeah. Um, Borderlands 4, I guess, would be an obvious choice, um, but I guess you could always go back and just like remake Borderlands 1 if they wanted to. <gasps> I'd be fucking well up for that. Those but, you know, that, that, that would also kind of get the nostalgia hit and maybe be a bit cheaper for them in terms of design. But uh, other than that... Mm. I'm, I'm acutely aware as well that they're potentially up for sale and have been for some time. Mm. So it's probably in their interest to uh, talk up the fantastic things they're working on. Yeah. Um, it's that or they go back to Brothers in Arms, right? And I love Brothers in Arms, but no one else remembers that it exists. Do you know what? It's, it's, it's actually, I don't think people appreciate how massive Borderlands is. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's stupid, like how, how many copies that sells. I mean, when the third came out, it was on like every billboard and bus everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it is properly a mainstream franchise. I'm shocked Take Two haven't just bought them yet to get Borderlands, essentially. Like, that is, seems like such a big thing for them. But I don't know if they have there's something going on there i can't recall if they've got publishing rights or what have you but when they were sold to embracer um it, it, they take two didn't seem bothered they were like we have a ongoing relationship with them it's fine mm. so i don't know if they have like a long-term publishing rights agreement or something but they probably do yeah the first borderlands cover had the guy going like that with one hand the second borderlands cover had the guy shooting himself with his other fingers the third broke this tradition. I would like the fourth cover to have guns on their feet, shooting themselves in the head four times. That's my only note, Gearbox. Um, also, could you bring back the sniper rifle from the first game that was so broken it would send enemies like out of the geometry of the map and then just instantly kill them because it had so much force because the way they randomly rolled those guns in the first game, they could spawn broken weapons. Fucking tremendous game. Since, since, I'm, in, since I'm in the mood... Um, I remember being in a, a meeting for the um, pre-cell-shaded version of Borderlands. Oh, And not yeah. many people remember that they they kind of soft-rebooted the art direction. 
because it looked like a very bland post-apocalyptic game and then they cell shaded it afterwards um, and i fell asleep in this meeting <laughs> at leipzig it's really just like an amazing triumph of marketing if you think about it because they basically just said we have a lot of guns in our game and here's a trap from caged elephant and yep. it just became one of the biggest but that, that was their thing their whole games. thing was just, just just the guns oh we have loads of guns all right but i'm falling they all felt asleep. the same like just all showing you all, exactly like showing you all the guns it's like i'm falling asleep um and then they uh, now it looks like really fun like a really cartoonish and it has loads of guns okay that's more interesting I'm a big shooter guy, and it's annoying to me when it's like, hey, there's a thousand different guns, but 950 of them feel yeah, very, very shit. same. Yeah. <laughs> like, it really isn't impressive. Like, coming from, so I used to love Bungie's games at the time. It's like, yeah, but they have 10 guns that are all brilliant <laughs> that no one can replicate, you know? Speaking of Bungie, just before we go, I asked the VGC Nation whether or not Halo was still a relevant franchise. This is in the wake of. Um, watching a trailer for that Halo TV show pop up on on YouTube and thinking I've started watching it, you know. So okay, let's it's kick this good. off. Is it all right? Because I've heard it's quite good. Well, I, I mean, I I've only just got to the second season. I think the second season's three episodes in, and from uh, people I've been talking to on the internet, um, apparently the second one is a lot better than the first one. First one, I can imagine without having looked at any of the discourse probably it wasn't what a lot of fans were expecting because it's very much like master chief with his helmet off having a, a, an existential truck crisis you know um but actually production value is pretty good it's it's actually fairly well done they haven't just slapped it together i'm quite looking forward to watching the second season um someone who i won't name because of their employment status liked the first episode and then filled a chat with uh, saying it was one of the worst things they'd ever watched but that honestly made me want to watch it more um but they are an absolute halo diehard uh yeah the i posited the theory that no one who is so young that they didn't see 9-11 on tv cares about halo do you see where i'm going with this so if you are 25 if you're 24 and up you care about halo because you were young when halo 3 was like the hottest shit in the world but if you're younger than that you've only seen bad halo and thus the series has fallen out of favor jake what do you think about my hypothesis well but i think as as the pre star what your love for the star wars prequel shows bro i've got no fucking love like for the star wars came prequels. out when they were young man I actively dislike yeah, the Star Wars. Those are just the guys who are going to be telling you in the next five years that you're chatting shit and the best one's Halo 4. Yeah. No, that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, because the big issue with your hypotheses there is you're like, Halo 3 is the hottest shit in the world, but actually Halo 2 was the hottest shit in the world. Halo DSP is the hottest <laughs> shit in the world. Sorry, not the, cam- sorry, sorry, not, not the campaign, the- certainly not. No, no, but running around with dual needlers and everyone just dying, it was horribly, horribly broken at an age before people ever back. Halo 3 anything. is better than Halo 2. Do you know what's better than Halo 3? ODST. ODST. Um, I actually, do like Firefight Mode is such a joyous oh, time for me. So, so, so good. On my wall in my house, I've got two posters. One says ODST, the other one says Kit Fisto, and that's it. And he's ripping apart his office. Oh, that's now my, we're talking. That's my cover. For official Xbox magazine. Nice. My ODST review. Bungie's back. Get ready to drop. Yeah. That's there ready for every podcast, right? Like just in case ODST <laughs> could be mentioned. Andy, can you can you look at the back of that magazine if if and if there's any dodgy numbers that I can phone and get some uh, interest? No, there's in... an there's an advert for Risen. Oh remember that game? I, do. I don't. 
I take it that magazine didn't do the smutty stuff because it was official. You're looking for more. You're, you're oh yeah, pressure. no. Microsoft wouldn't have allowed them to do the smut. Otherwise, they definitely would have done. I imagine. Yeah. What did I give ODST? Um, oh, there's a big, massive advert in the way. <laughs> What's going on? Did I? Not, I, I gave it a nine. A nine. I, I, th- I think only a nine. A seminal like, side story to one of the best FPSs. Oh, why can we not fucking lay the website out like that? Just have <laughs> screenshots of fifty different sizes all over the place. Ah, uh, those were the days. Those were the days. Uh, Chris Webble says everything. Uh, it had everything back then, and then some. But players' tastes changed after fifteen years of developmental leaps in the FPS genre. Arena shooters fall by the wayside, and players they just left, they lost moved Bungie. on. Yeah, that's, that's the just that's it. There's it. nothing else. Bungie. There's no other. They lost Bungie. Like if Bungie's got, still making them. Fine. Yeah. Um, Microsoft are very bad at setting up studios. Very yeah. bad. Look and at Gears of War. Three Four Three is the uh, perfect example of that. Yeah. I I thought Halo Infinite was pretty fucking good, and that first was, weekend yeah. the Halo Infinite multiplayer was cracking, but then they, it just it didn't stick, and and it never got its claws into me. I don't know what the I did because this, they uh, they were like they it was one of those, wasn't it? Where um they spent more time talking about how they weren't working past five pm uh, <laughs> than they did in making actual post release content for the game. Yeah. Um, so it came out, and there was nothing coming out, and people got really. And make no mistake, that game was good as well. Like the campaign, yeah. I really enjoyed the campaign. The multiplayer was brilliant, um, and everyone loved it. But after two, three, like two, three months, there was nothing coming out for it, and they kind of shot themselves right in the foot. Yeah, it was I a think shame. the big thing that always happens to me with shooters, and actually this happened to me in real time when I was playing with you on the multiplayer is that I play the first two or three days and it's quite good and fun and nice. And then suddenly a bunch of people who've been playing it for like every hour yep. get quite good at it. And I'm now in my 30s. And so you, there's this is one play session where you're like, I'm actually done with this game. I can't play this anymore. Because yeah. everyone is just so much better than me. But I love the campaign. I played the hell out of it. I played through it like last year. I played through it for review. It's a really, really good game and isn't talked about enough. And you get the kind of retrospectives now already where people are like, oh, Halo Infinite is good now. It was always good. It's just they're kind of slowly making it a little bit more playable for those of us that can't make it our whole life in multiplayer, ultimately. Yeah, um, and that's that's uh, something I love about the EAFC review period because I would I, I would confidently destroy any journalist in the world at the EAFC, but they also give it to the pro players during that time. So if you match up against someone and their name is like Red Bull Johnny XXX and they have a million icons, it's like, well, I might just as well turn the game off at this point. Um, Andy, very briefly before we go, you went to Windsor to see a woman, sadly not her madge, but someone more important, Princess Peach. How is Princess Peach's showtime from what you played? Uh, my preview, my preview's on, on the website um, for, yeah, that's it, my preview's on the website. <laughs> um, it's, it's, um, it's got a lot of personality, right, which carries it a long way. It's a very simple game. It feels a bit like a Kirby game in that sense, but less polished. Mm. Um, or, or, or that's the, the the impression I got from the first hour. It's like tons and tons of right. It's like a Taylor Swift concert, like the amount of like uh, careful, you know, kind of costume changes, and okay. it, it just veers in all sorts of directions. Like the the, the variety of gameplay is mad. Like you'll be like a chef, like baking, uh, you know, giant cookies and decorating cakes, and the next minute you're a ninja going through stealth segments and you know, two D platforming, and and then the, the, then you're a figure skater. 
you know, doing like rhythm action stuff. So it's it's better than it, it I thought it looked before I played it. It's like yeah. when you're actually in there doing all that stuff back to back to back with no filler, it's like, you know what, this is this has got a lot of charm. Mm. So I'm I'm interested to see how far they carry it because that's an hour with it. Um, obviously the difficulty is translating that to a full game um, and, you know, kind of adding a bit more depth than what was there, which was not much, but mm. I enjoyed it. Good stuff. Right. Once again, before we go, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth review on the site, review cast on YouTube and later on podcast platforms around the globe. Um, spoilers it's a hell of a fucking game but there's a lot to talk about so we took uh, a good 70 minutes doing so uh, i won't be here next week it will be one chris scullion presuming his house hasn't exploded or something like that however next week uh is going to be pokemon presents and i would feel remiss waiting all the way till march to talk about it so i might just hijack the last 10 minutes of the podcast and rant breathlessly from wherever i am going jake thank you for joining us where can we find you on the internet uh, yeah, I think just Twitter or X or whatever you're supposed to call it this week. Mm. Um, I am Jake Tucker underscore or underscore Jake Tucker. I should know. I just log into it every day. Yeah, log <laughs> into it every day and post the horrible, horrible opinions that you have. Um, Andy is Andy underscore VGC. I am at Jordan Medler. You can send comments, questions and concerns to podcast at videogameschronicle.com. Thanks to the great Grant Kirkhope for use of the VGC podcast theme your check is in the mail grant until next time say goodbye andy goodbye say goodbye jake goodbye and we'll see you next time vgc a video games podcast is a stack production and part of the acast creative network